Boy, I, I got to say, I absolutely loved the worship and the storytelling and the relating and the transparency from Brent Lamb. And that's, that's some good stuff right there. Let me just tell you. Well, this is it. Quite the weekend, right, guys? It's been said it doesn't matter how high you can jump, but how straight you can walk once your feet hit the ground. And once our feet hit the ground, after lunch, when we go back home, we have to remember that that's not our home. Right? We, we are pilgrims. We are foreigners passing through a foreign land. We're, ju- we're just... Just going through. I'm going to read a passage. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10 today. Hebrews chapter 10, verses Anybody meet with God this weekend like they weren't expecting to? I mean, did God meet you where you're at? Anybody like that? We're just going, man, I, I was not expecting what has happened, whether, you know, in your small group, through the teachings, through the worship, just getting alone, meditating through the Word. Anybody like that, like me? I mean, I was, the rest of you guys are just, eh, we call that a normal weekend, right? Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The story is told of an elderly homeless man up in northern Seattle who had wandered his way into a coffee shop. Not having any money, he made his way up to where the barista was making the coffee, and he'd asked for a cup. To which she replied, yeah, that'll be uh, $24.95 or, you know, whatever the going rate is for a cup of coffee that normally costs three cents to make. And he said, no, I, I don't have any money. I was hoping that perhaps you would just give me a cup of coffee. And she said, sir, We're not in the business of giving away coffee. Coffee costs, and we pass that cost on to our consumer. Well, ma'am, it is getting late. You're about ready to close the doors. Do you think perhaps I can have a cup of coffee from a pot that's been sitting there that you'll be throwing away anyways? Reluctantly, the barista gave him a cup of old coffee that was sitting there, He took the coffee, and he was very thankful, and as he was walking out the door, she said to him, don't come back unless you have money. 
Well, a couple weeks went by. He was seen pacing back and forth outside the coffee shop, mustered up the courage, went inside with a little bit more timidity than the previous time, said, ma'am, do you think maybe I can have a cup of coffee from a pot that you'll be throwing away? Sir, I told you not to come back unless you have money. Ma'am, I know, but you didn't go broke when you gave me that cup of coffee. Please, it's cold outside and it's raining. Tell you what I'll do. I'll give you my cup of coffee. Well, that elderly homeless man took that cup of coffee and he was very grateful. And as he was leaving, he heard those words again. Do not come back unless you have money. And when the door had shut and the bell had hit, Another gentleman stood up, went to the front, and said, Ma'am, I was here the other night when he came in, and I would like to do something perhaps a little bit different. I would like to put money in the till, money in the register, so that if he ever does come back, he can have a fresh cup. And not knowing what to do, she took the money, put it in the register with a note in case she wasn't the one to be there when he came back. A month went by, and it's full winter there in Seattle. And this homeless man was seen pacing back and forth, mustered up the courage to come in with his eyes never raising up from the ground, went to the front and said, Ma'am, do you think maybe I can finish your cup of coffee this evening? And before he could finish the words, what do you think the barista said? Sir, how about a muffin with your fresh cup of coffee? Why? Because there was money in the till. There's money in the register. And as long as there's money in the register, that man is welcomed inside that coffee shop. Now, here's the rub. So many times I meet Christians, I meet fellow people that are on this journey called life. And they are like that elderly homeless man wandering outside of the camp of the church. They're wandering outside of the Holy of Holies. And they look in and they say, God is in there. but they think maybe that they exasperated God's grace because of things that they partook in, vile things that they tasted, and vile things that they've seen. And they don't understand that when Jesus died on that Roman gibbet and he cried out those words, It is finished. Paid in full. Tell it TSDI. Paid in full. It is it. He grabbed a hold of the only currency that God the Father accepts. The blood of the Lamb. And he put it inside the register, if you would. Which now gives you and I free access to go into the Holy of Holies whenever we want to have communion with God himself. 
We need not be timid. We need not be shy. We need not be poor because God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. When the wrath of the Father came down upon the Son, Jesus took your cup, the cup of the cursed, and he pressed it to his lips, and he drank every drop of the Father's wrath that was designed for sinners. And he drank every little bit of it so that you would not have to. He tasted bitterness so that you and I can taste and see that he is good. Oswald Sanders said, Most Bible characters met failure and they survived. Even when the failure was immense, those they rebounded and they refused to lie in the dust and bemoan their tragedy. In fact, their failure and repentance, it led to a greater conception of God's grace. They came to know the God of the second chance and sometimes the third and the fourth and the 50th and the 150th and the 70 times 7 chanced God. Listen. As a child of God, God only knows how to forgive and forget. So when you bring up, when you rehash that old sin, that thing that you did from yesteryear, and you present it before God, God would say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because as far as the east is from the west, he's removed your sin from you. And you can't measure east from west. We can measure north and south, right? You can head north, eventually hit the North Pole, and if you keep on going, you're going to start heading south. But you head east, you're going to continually head east. You'll never head west. And that's what God has done with your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's removed it. Corey Ten Boom said, that God has grabbed a hold of our sin. He's thrown it into the depths of the ocean. And he's posted his sign, no fishing allowed. God will never grab a hold of your failures, your mishaps, your sin, and shove them back in your face and remind you of what a blow it you are. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, listen very carefully to this, man. I, I've come across a lot of people who say, man, I am so haunted by my yesteryear's failures. What do I do with it? I'm condemned. And then when I recite Romans 8.1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. But R.C. Sproul, the theologian, before he died, he was asked the question, what do you do? I'm just curious, Pastor, what do you do with the person who comes to you and says, man, I've prayed, but I still feel condemned. 
What do I do with that? And he said, listen, if you still feel condemned, then pray to God again. But this time, don't ask him to forgive you for the sin that is haunting you. Rather, ask him to forgive you for insulting his integrity by refusing to accept his forgiveness. You see, when God promises to forgive his people when they repent, he's not playing games. He's not lying. He who the Son has set free is free indeed. God takes great delight in being merciful. That's what Scripture says in Hosea. He delights in being merciful. He delights in holding back that which you deserve. But he doesn't leave that vacuum there. He takes greater delight in being gracious to those who don't deserve it. And remember, grace, how did we define it before the other day? God's unmerited favor to the infinitely ill-deserving. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And you're at the nearest point of receiving God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness when you begin to realize that you can't do anything right. He does not give his grace by calculated measure. God delights to give you what you don't deserve. Because when you get to heaven, you'll realize it had nothing to do with who? That's right. That's right. It has to do with God. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but uh, I've prayed for amnesia. Have you ever prayed for amnesia? I've prayed for amnesia because I, I've, I've caused a lot of damage in people's lives. I personally have tasted a lot of vile and disgusting things. I've gone down paths I should not have gone. I wanted to be a con man before I became a Christian. And I've, I've wrecked people's lives just like you. I'd pray for amnesia, and God never granted it. I like what Spurgeon said. We are today accepted into the beloved. Today we are absolved from sin. We are acquitted at the bar of God. We are pardoned. And even now, all of our sins have been put away with. Even now we stand in the sight of God, accepted as though we had never been guilty. There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. There is not a single sin in the book that belongs to God. Even now, against one of his people, not one sin. Do you hear that, saint? Not one. Who dares delay anything to their charge? There is neither speck, nor spot, nor wrinkle, nor any such thing remaining upon any one believer in the matter of justification in the sight of the judge of all the earth. Did you know that God the Father loves his children just as much as he loves his son, Jesus Christ? John 17, 23. Look it up. God the Father does not love his son more than he loves a child of God. It's equal. So therefore, when God sees you, if you are born again, he sees you as a finished product, and he's patient with you because he sees you 
as where you will eventually be. So we don't need to be like that homeless man. We can come in and have fellowship. We can come and partake. So when we pray for amnesia, when we say, God, I, I, I'm having a hard time. This, this is difficult. Every time I do this task, I'm reminded of what I've done. Every time I see this act on television, I see me. And people remind me continually of who I used to be. I've burnt so many bridges. I don't even know where to go. God does not want to remove your memories. He wants to redeem them. If you want to get past your past, well, then you have to trust your past to him who is faithful to remove your past. He's able to do that which you cannot do yourself. That's a good word for a lot of us inside this room. Because God is amazingly able to make that ugly thing you did actually work together for your good. As the trophy of his praise, he's able to put you on display. He specializes in giving beauty for ashes. And the Bible says that he only does miraculous things. Did you know that? Job says that God only does wondrous works. He only knows how to do the miraculous. So if you're in a situation where you say, man, I need a miracle, guess what? That's the only thing God knows how to do. So where are you to go? Get inside the coffee shop. Come to him just as you are. When you became a Christian, you came just as you were. Why do you think you need to come any differently now that you've been a Christian? Just come. And I get it, you have a past. But isn't that what Christianity is all about? Christianity's one beggar telling another beggar about the bread of life. Come and taste. Come to the table, receive the bread and wine. God does not want to erase your memory, but rather erase your record. Wow. Your Redeemer is bigger than your past. He may forgive your past, but he doesn't waste it. And God isn't done with you. And how do we know God isn't done with you? It's because you're still alive, right? You're still breathing. You're still moving. I woke up this morning once again, and I went, I'm still here. I'm still here. All right. There's work to do. As Brent said, there's work to do. We're going to keep moving. We're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep clawing. We're going to move forward. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. We're moving forward. You just go after God, right? That's your goal. You go after God. You know, there's an interesting story that surrounds the filming of Ben-Hur. Anybody see the movie Ben-Hur? There's an exciting chariot race at the end. It's great. great. They don't make movies like that anymore. Charlton Heston, he went up to Cecil B. DeMille, the director, and he said, listen, I think I can steer the chariot, but I do not think I can win the race. And Cecil B. DeMille, the director, said, listen, 
Heston, listen. I'm not asking you to win the race. I'm asking you to stay in the race. Stay in the race. I'll make sure you win it. Leave it to the director. Leave it to the director of our faith who will complete the work which he has started. He knows what he's doing. God may forgive your past, but he doesn't waste it, and he's not done with us. Remember, he's the one who reached into the dark cavern of our heart, and he did the one thing for us that we couldn't do for ourselves, and that is to make us justified, just as if I'd never sinned, declared righteous. He hides your unrighteousness with his righteousness. He covers your disobedience with his obedience. He shadows your death with his death so that the wrath of God cannot find you. He finds no spot on you. There's no decay within you. And therefore, there is no punishment that awaits you if you're a Christian. There's that catch. His name is Jesus, and it's at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But I know that, uh, that there's people here who were having difficulty singing with the amazing worship. I just went faint. And I know that. I know that because of our failures, because of our sin. And we're just not feeling it. We can't worship. We can't enter in. And the words that I speak to you, they, they, they seem like distance, distant words that make no sense. They're jumbled together. I said, man, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's happened to me. I'm a product of our society from a dysfunctional family. I don't even know who my dad is. You say, I can't relate to you. Well, listen, Jesus came from a dysfunctional family. He was supremely innocent. Why do bad things happen to good people? That only happened once, and he volunteered. We should be asking ourselves, why do good things ever happen to bad people? Why didn't God kill me in my sleep for the thoughts that I had against humanity yesterday? God is patient. His patience has a very long fuse. It's running out. One day he's going to make right. He's going to come. He's going to come soon. But I get it. As you're sitting there and as you're listening to the worship, as you listen to guys in a small group, perhaps you don't relate. You can't connect. You have nothing to give. And when it comes time for you to speak, you're like, i got to say something. Can I say Pass. Comes time to pray. You got nothing to say. I get it. I understand that. Matthew 24, 12, it says, Because the love of many will grow cold, lawlessness increases. Because lawlessness increases, because iniquity increases in our lives, the love of many grows cold. Maybe your love has grown cold. It's waxed, not eloquently, but degenerately. And you say to yourself, man, 
I just, I feel like I'm just not a, I don't fit in. Maybe one time I did, but not anymore. Well, guess what you need to do? Repent. And that's such a beautiful word. It means that God sees you the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you that way. There's conviction for you. Man, I feel convicted when you speak. Conviction is sweet. He knows all about you, and he loves you too much to keep you that way. God desires to do a work. Maybe you've wandered too far from the throne, and fellowship with God seems a little distant. Well, guess what? God hasn't gone anywhere. You can return. You can remember from where you fell. The promise still remains. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Vance Havner, he said, Jesus did not come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. He didn't come to shove you down. He came to lift you up. He wants you to see himself for who he really is. Why is guilt so real in our life? Because sin is real in our life. We cannot sin and stay joyful for very long. If you want to find your tongue again and worship the way maybe perhaps you did at one point, well, then you need to use that tongue and start with confession. God doesn't speak to me anymore. Well, you're not listening. You need, to, you need to silence your commotion to God. God speaks to us through his word. We don't need a voice when we have a verse. Sometimes God puts us on our back so that we look up. Remember, we were saying the other day, you cannot impress people with Jesus when you're still trying to impress them with yourself, right? There's no such thing as a cool Christian. Let me, let me speak for just a moment to uh, the people that have been teetering back and forth. You know, you got like a, a foot in the world and a foot... In Christianity, right? That, that, there's no place for that. There's no room for that. You're either all in or you're not. My dad would tell me the story when he was in Vietnam that they had their orders. That if people that were part of your platoon, when the heat got really hard, when the fighting was difficult, sometimes you'd see people abandon the other soldiers and they would run home. They would run back. They would run away. And he was commanded by his sergeant. You shoot this way. Somebody runs that way, you turn and you shoot that way, and then you get back to shooting this way. We have no deserters. The Bible says they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they never would have left. They're not in a backslidden state. Maybe they never slid forward in the first place. Let me speak for just a moment to those, those of you that are just kind of teetering back and forth. What are you doing? Really, what are you doing? Stop it. If Jesus Christ is Lord, 
then follow him. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If Christianity is not true and the church is in a bad, sad state, then go back to the world. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Because that's all you got. But if Christianity is true, what is truth? Webster Dictionary defines it as that which conforms to reality. I like the definition of that which conforms to the mind of God. Whatever God says is correct is true. And Jesus said he is the truth. I'm going to take God's word for it. You know who you are still holding out, still waiting, perhaps wanting to run from the room. You know who you are. If you need to get right with God, I want to challenge you, challenge you to get right with God, to make a stance before you leave this place. God is patient. But the Bible says, he who is often reproved will harden his heart, and you'll be cut off in that without remedy. Meaning, there comes a time where you hear the gospel, the good news, and when you don't respond, there comes a point where you're cut off. And you go, no, I don't want to respond. Remove this message from me. That you've removed yourself from grace. You've removed yourself from the only answer to your biggest dilemma. Jesus Christ is big enough for the job to forgive you, to cleanse you, to give you hope, and to give you life. Who's still holding out? Who's waiting? I want to challenge you. If that's you, no more. God's not asking you to clean your life up. He's commanding you to lay your life down. There's a difference. You're not lovely, but because he's love, he saves. And he's willing to save you. He's willing to forgive you. But you've got to come to him on his terms. You have to be willing to forsake and to be willing to come clean. And I'm not saying, hear me, I'm not saying if you come to Jesus, it's going to be a bed of roses. Now, I'll tell you what awaits you if you become a Christian. Here's some promises for you. Trials, tribulation, persecution, temptation, and sufferings beyond measure. Oh, and your name is written in heaven that can never be erased. Who's ready to sign up, right? Trials, tribulation, temptation, persecution, and suffering. Oh, that's why you need to count the cost because it's not going to be easy. You can lose family. You can lose friends. You can lose your job. But what you get is your soul. And I'm going to give you a moment to respond to that in just a moment. Christians, what are you doing with what are you doing with the gospel? If you knew you're going to be given a thousand dollars for every person you shared the gospel with, would you be more evangelistic? If you knew all you had to do was give a little piece of paper, a, a gospel track, what is the meaning of life? If you handed this out, if I handed this to you and said, if you hand this out, I'll give you $1,000. Hand it out this week. The sooner you hand it out, the sooner you'll get the 1000 bucks. 
I'll Venmo it to you. You'll have it. In fact, if I said, for every one of these gospel tracts you hand out, I'll give you a thousand bucks. It's good for this week only. Would you be a little bit more evangelistic? Isn't it funny what you can't do for the love of God, you're willing to do for the love of money? And the Bible says no one can serve both God and money. For you'll either love the one and you'll hate the other. You'll swallow your fear really quick to hand out a gospel check if you knew you were given a thousand bucks. You would open air preach. If I told you every person that was within earshot of you sharing the gospel, you'll get a thousand dollars for every person in attendance. You'd find yourself going door to door. You'd find yourself going to the universities. You'd find yourself going to, man, where's the local bingo parlor? Man, I'm going to. Can I have the microphone for 10 seconds? You're going to find a way. Boy, I'm convicted. That's a convicting word. Oh, conviction is sweet. God loves us too much to keep us that way. You know, I meet with a group of guys and we go through some accountability questions. Wednesday morning, we ask such questions as, hey, this week, have any of your financial business dealings lacked integrity? What movies did you see this past week? What websites did you visit this past week? Did you fantasize about being with another woman while you were with your woman this week? Have you been with a woman anywhere this past week that might be seen as compromising? And then finally, did you just lie to me when answering any of the above questions? I want, when I cross the finish line, that if he said, I, I, I have no more energy. No, nothing. I, I left it all out on the field. I left it there on that planet, and I cross that finish line. I collapse into his arms, and I'm throwing up every step of the way doing that army crawl. And I hear those words, well done. Good and faithful servant, you are faithful. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I can't wait till that day. When I get to heaven, I don't want to see any of you playing with pots and pans either. If what I've shared with you over this weekend, if it's struck an accord with you, if you realize that you've sinned against holy God, as we've looked at the commandments, and if God gives you justice, you would end up in hell, God's prison. If you've realized that God has created you for something greater than what you're experiencing, that relationship, fellowship with God. If you realize that God wants to save you for no other reason than to bring glory to himself. And that God demonstrated his love for humanity and his hatred over sin by 
rises again from the dead three days later. Because there's no other true story where the hero dies for the villain. If you realize that and you want to get right with God, or if you've gotten right with God over this weekend, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want people to see these people that have made that commitment or want to make that commitment. Yeah, wait, hold your claps, hold your claps, hold your claps. I don't applaud when I plant a fruit tree. I applaud when that fruit tree brings forth fruit. And when you see fruit, you applaud. We applaud when somebody makes a decision for Christ, but Scripture, it reserves, heaven, it reserves its applause when there's repentance. Is there anybody else that would like to make the commitment or has made a commitment saying, I must be born again? I understand. It's not a bed of roses. It's a pathway of thorns. But it's a pathway in which my Christ will take me there. He'll take me through. He's taking me to the other side. Anybody else want to get right with God? Now, I want you guys to look around at these guys. Some of them, perhaps, you think were already born again. But what they're saying at this point, at this moment, at this time, is they're saying, I'm done playing. And now you go up to them and you say, listen, welcome to the family. We're going to forget what lies behind, and I'm going to be alongside you, and we're going to press forward together. I'm going to hold you accountable, brother. That's what you're saying. Get a good look at these people's faces. They need your help. Be patient with them. Just like God has been patient with you as a work in progress. Nothing but love, guys. Nothing but love. You may sit down. Guys, this is where we go from here. It's time to open up God's word. It's time to get serious about life. I'm the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus said. And though you die, you're going to live. Only within the economy of God, when you look at the paradox where death actually becomes life, you understand the meaning of life. That God grants life to whoever comes to him in faith. You're going to read God's word. You're going to go to church. You're going to share the gospel with other people. And you can email me, mark at livingwaters.com, and I will give you some steps to take on this new journey called Christianity. I'll say my email again, mark at livingwaters.com. You email me. You're my brother now, right? And brothers don't forsake brothers. We don't leave them in the heat of battle. Let's pray. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you will complete the work which you started. And I stand amazed, God, at the work that you did this weekend. I'm not surprised, but I stand amazed. I stand in awe meant. 
And as you know, I only use the word awesome when it comes to you. You are awesome. The work you did here is awesome. Father, help these dear men with marred, messy pasts draw near to you in truth. You are a gracious, kind God, slow to anger, slow to wrath, quick to be compassionate. Thank you, God, that you're not now looking for perfection, but progress. And we give you applause now, knowing that you only do great things. In Jesus' name, amen.